We come into the world and we are given the most powerful tool, but we aren't handed a user manual for it. I am talking about our mind. This is Emily from EssentiallyM.com. I am a manifestation and mindset coach for driven women like you who are seeking more clarity, more courage, and more ease around your goals. And when it comes to creating a reality full of abundance, high vibes, and living in alignment with what makes you come alive. If you are ready to create a life that you are absolutely in love with and live in a reality that is better than your dreams, then stick with me and consider this your weekly dose of free coaching. Welcome to the Miracle Mindset. This episode is sponsored by my Magnetic AF Hypnosis and Meditation Bundle. I created this bundle to be a three-part bundle which has a forgiveness meditation, a gratitude meditation, and then a future self-hypnosis, which is really cool. All three of them are really cool experience where you get to cleanse yourself, become a clear slate, forgive what you need to forgive, release what's no longer serving you, and then tap into gratitude and be in the right vibration for attracting money, opportunities, and miracles. And then you move into meeting your future self where you can actually meet with the future version of yourself during this hypnosis. Ask any questions you need to ask, and then you get to embody and become that future version of yourself. Since I started using these on myself, my manifestations have been happening so much more quickly and things are just manifesting really rapidly. So it's a great way to supercharge, um, hence the name Magnetic AF. You will become a super magnet to your desires. And right now you can get it in a bundle, three for $33. I cannot guarantee that that price is going to stay like that forever. They normally sell for $14 a piece. So quite a bit of savings there. Head on over to essentiallym.com slash shop and check that out. So essentiallymm.com slash shop. Y'all, I'm so excited. It's making me turn Southern. (laughs) I had a chance today to sit and chat with one of my very favorite authors. I am so excited about this episode. I had the chance to interview Michelle McCullough, the author of one of my all-time favorite personal development books, Make It Happen. I have had this book. It's always one of my top books in my personal development bookshelf. It is full of tangible tactical advice for entrepreneurs and it just has so many gems in it. I have so many dog ears on the pages and sticky notes and highlighter marks and notes inside of it. I love it so much. I cannot believe I got to sit down and talk with Michelle. She is going to bring you so much value and wisdom, especially if you're an entrepreneur of any type. Um, But for anyone trying to balance the work family life, she's all about having a meaningful personal life and a successful career as well. So an absolute treat to talk with her. Let me read you just a few of Michelle's accomplishments. It is insane. So in addition to meeting her own, sorry, running her own consulting business, Michelle is the managing director for Startup Princess, which was listed by Forbes as one of the top 10 resources for women entrepreneurs. She's worked with top brands like Visa Small Business, the UPS Store, AWeber, and more. She's spoken for the Air Force Reserve, Goldman Sachs, and Ancestry.com, among others. She's been featured in Entrepreneur.com in the 40 Under 40, Fox TV, and has been interviewed for TV and radio over 100 times, including Good Morning America and The Today Show. 
She was recently named in the top 100 small business influencers with the Inc. magazine, Michael Gerber and Grant Cardone. Her own radio show, Make It Happen, has had over 1 million downloads, and she's now bringing it back into the podcast world, which I am so excited for. Anyways, without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Enjoy this interview with Michelle McCullough. Okay, welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Um, so I thought we could start with maybe you giving us a little peek into your story, who you are, and what do you do? So I am an author, a speaker, and I own a boutique digital marketing agency, and we do um, promotion for companies and individuals, and it's just kind of a mix of some of my favorite things in a perfect world and an imperfect world at the same time. <laughs> and so my, I, while my background is in marketing and advertising, I also have done a lot of speaking and over the course of my professional career. And now that is a primary form of work that I do. And I really just love traveling and speaking and meeting people in real life. And um, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, and why did you start speaking and writing and consulting or did you just start in marketing and it naturally took that course or what made you want to start all that? Well, I was a speaker and debater in high school and college. That's actually how I paid for some of my college. I got a scholarship um, cool. to debate for a college and that was a lot of fun. And I always complained that it was not fair that my friends could be in basketball and then join the NBA or be in yeah. football or football teams. And I was like, what is the professional debate team? And, um, somebody said, you can be an attorney. And I was like, oh, that's way too much school. <laughs> yeah. And then someone else said, you could be a motivational speaker. And so I always, that always kind of spiked, sparked my interest. And, um, I always wanted to do that. And I, I do speaking in both marketing um, and media and performance, but then I also have a passion for motivation and high performance and happiness. Mm -hmm. So I also speak on those principles as well. And so it's kind of a mix of both um, pieces of my business, but then somebody will, somebody will usually ask me to do just marketing or just motivation. And I'm happy either way because I love to talk. Cool. I love that. I, I'm an aspiring motivational speaker as well. So I kind of followed your career a little bit. I love your book, huge fan of your book. Um, so that's interesting to hear how, how you kind of got your start in that. Thank you for sharing that. Sure. Um, so I know you are a self-proclaimed planning geek and that you had your first planner when you were like 12 years old or something. Um, right. Do you have any favorite, uh, what's your current favorite tool for time management as a busy entrepreneur and a mom? Well, this is such a great question because, and I get this all the time, I have done everything. So I have done physical planners from day planners to regular calendars. I've done digital programs from Palm Pilot days, and you're probably too young to even know what a Palm Pilot is. <laughs> I remember. But, <laughs> I do a lot on my phone now, and but I still play with other planners or 
other things too that are physical. I love the physical part of like mm-hmm. writing things down and connecting with what's important and seeing a visual calendar. Um, but I also love that if I leave my planner at home, my phone is always with me. So I do my calendaring and my to-dos on my phone, but then I'll do like goal setting and goal planning in a physical planner. Mm. But like so many tools, I always recommend to people that the best time management system is the one that you'll use. Yeah. So while there are some that are easy for me, there might be another that's easy for someone else. And so I just really encourage people to find one that works for you. And if you like physical and you want to carry a planner, do it. If you like digital, then find, use your phone or download some apps that make you happy. But the key is just to find one that you'll actually get in and use on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. Yeah. So true. Good advice. Um, so in your book, make it happen. And, um, I know you have another book, I think, is it called the time blueprint for entrepreneurs? Yes. Yeah. I got to get that. That's on my wish list as well, but I just reread make it happen. Um, I read it a couple of years ago and it stayed, you can see, I have like so many dog ears folded up on all the pages as there's highlighter all through it. I love it so much. Um, in this book, you explained how our mission is different from our offer, which I thought, yes. oh my gosh, like something just clicked that just made so much sense. And so my question is, because a lot of us entrepreneurs either miss this mark or we get stuck on it. Um, has your mission or your offer ever evolved or changed over the years? And is it okay for entrepreneurs to revisit this from time to time? Absolutely. Like, I think that this is one of the most critical parts of entrepreneurship Mm -hmm. is that you visit your mission on a regular basis. And for me, that's annually. And so I'll sit down and view my mission and make sure that it's focused on what I need to do. And then from that, I decide what my offerings are. And one of the things that I talk about in the book as, as a parallel or example is I consider myself to be a happiness coach. But I do that by speaking motivationally on stages, and I also consult small business owners and marketing teams on marketing. Mm -hmm. And I can still consider that being a a happiness coach because if I can help a marketing team understand the systems that they need to put in place, then they're a lot happier and more satisfied with the work that they do. And so that to me reaches my overall mission. But Mm -hmm. Over the last couple of years, I have really been feeling drawn to spending more time focusing on happiness. And that doesn't mean that my digital marketing agency is going to go away, but I just feel like I am feeling a sense of call or mission to help people understand happiness in the workplace and happiness at home and happiness with strangers. And so I'm starting to develop more products specifically towards that. But I think we have to give ourselves permission to evolve over time. Like if you think about the difference of what happens for a kid from the time that they're one year old to the time that they're four years old, their abilities change so quickly. And even though we haven't seen that big of a change in our own lives, we really do change that much as adults too. Mm -hmm. So give yourself permission to let your interests change, to let your focus change. But I always start with the core mission first and then the offerings second. And however you decide that you want to do that um, works if you are mission-based because if your foundation is strong and your why is strong, it's a lot easier to come up with the actual avenues that you want to approach to make money in your business. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. Thank you so much. And 
for those who haven't read the book, um, what we're talking about is basically how your mission is kind of the heart of why you do what you do, but it doesn't always translate into a good sales pitch or an offer. And your offer can differ from project to project or sale to sale. Um, so for example, you might be helping somebody with marketing or with business strategy, um, and that is gonna sell a lot better than, I'm gonna help you with your mindset and your happiness, because people wanna pay for results, but your mission can still be, um, you know, what drives your business. So I loved, I loved that you touched on that in the book. Exactly. <clears throat> Uh, and I know one of your core beliefs is that you can achieve great levels of success without sacrificing a meaningful personal life. Do you think that that's kind of once everything is in the flow and you've got um, you know, a lucrative business going, you've kind of got revenue streams coming in, or is this also possible while you're in, for the women who are in the thick of it, they're in the process of trying to build something. Do you think that they can still have a meaningful personal life at the same time? Yes. And I think it needs to be prioritized. Yes. So let me, let me explain this in a, on, a, on a fundamental level that I think that we are, for whatever reason, hardwired that we have to sacrifice to be successful. Mm -hmm. And while I think that's true, I think that we misunderstand what sacrifice actually means. And so what it probably means is that you're going to spend less time watching TV and less time paying, playing Candy Crush on your phone mm -hmm. and less time um, on activities that are not going to help you move forward. But that doesn't mean that you should put aside hobbies and interests. Like you are a multifaceted person and especially for women. And I like to think of, think of the roles that you play. So it, if, whether you own a business and you're a mom and you like to paint and you like to do something else, like these are all pieces of you. And if you let one of those pieces go, you really aren't a whole person. And so it's so important to figure out what is it that you love to do that has nothing to do with business? And what is it that you love to do that has nothing to do with your relationships? And what is it that has nothing to do that if all of those things were stripped away, how would you find joy and fulfillment in your life? And then schedule time for that at least on a weekly basis. Um, I coached someone who was growing in a professional career and she had the job of her dreams. She always wanted to have it and she felt completely unfulfilled. And what we found is that she wasn't making time for the things that she cared about. And so she felt like she needed to quit her job and start over and that her dreams were all wrong. Well, that's not true. She just recognized and I helped her see the pieces of her that were screaming to be part of her life. And while just inviting in some of those things that she had put on the back burner for so long, just made her feel like a human again. So it's so critical because the point of my book is I talk about 18 high performance practices without burning out. Yeah. And if you always put the things that you love at the end of success, then by the time that you get there, you will have burnt out, quit your job, yeah. quit your goals, quit your other things. So give yourself permission to be the whole person of you and not just um, a one part of you. Mm. That's so good because, yeah, a lot of people, and I have been guilty as well of this, is when you're building a business and like, let's say you're building it as a side hustle, you're working full time and you're trying to build a business and you're trying to maintain all of your relationships and health and everything is um, the tendency can be 
I have to spend every spare moment of my time working towards my business so that it can become full-time. So then I'll have the time to do this and this and this, but it's probably not going to happen like that. You have to be already prioritizing those things now. And I think that's actually going to cultivate a better, um, better health in your business too, because there's an energy that comes with that when you're hustling and you're burning out and you're coming from this place of desperation, your, your clients are going to feel that I think. Yes, absolutely. And I think that part of building a business and having those successes is the lifestyle that you're building at the same time not the business that you're building at the sacrifice of your lifestyle. And so show people that you can grow personally and professionally. And that is where real magic happens. Mm -hmm. And so you recommend, do you sit down at the beginning of every week and map everything out? And do you actually schedule time for your hobbies and, and family time and all of that? Yes, I do. And I put all of those things on a calendar. You know, I'm a time management junkie and I love yep. that. So when I do my weekly planning, I will put in um, date night with my husband. I'll put in time with the kids. I will put in time for going to the gym so that it's not something that happens later. And I'll put in time for reading and going to a movie and the things that I really, really love uh, because I want those to be just as important as a meeting with a client or a speaking engagement. And, you know, I was criticized for that once. I was sharing how I map my day at an event. And someone was like, if you have to schedule time for your kids and your hobbies, then you have your priorities out of whack. And I thought that her question was very um, interesting because what she was saying was that what she was hearing me say was that my business was more important than the other things. Mm -hmm. But what she was missing was that they're as important sometimes, if not more. And so sometimes when I start, I start with my family connections or yeah. I start with the priorities then you have to really recognize that the clock it can work for you. And I want my kids to see that their name is on my calendar. Yeah. I want them to see that they're a priority to me. And I want my husband to see that he's a priority to me and not just an afterthought if I have extra time. Yeah. I love that. I read that in the book that you were criticized for that. And I felt so mad on your behalf because it's like, <laughs> no, it's actually the opposite. She's scheduling time and showing them that they are a priority and mm -hmm. it's kind of more special too when it's something on the calendar you can look forward to it I love the date night idea putting it on a calendar um, I think you're gonna have to start implementing that as well I love it mm -hmm. so thank you uh, what advice would you give for anyone who is starting their own career as a speaker or an author or even an entrepreneur in general if you could give like one nugget of advice? Well, I think the one nugget of advice that I would give is I'm a big um, reader. And so mm -hmm. I am a, and a learner and I love watching YouTube videos and I love buying coaching programs and I love reading yes. books and I just consume a lot. But I think the most important thing about any business that you start but especially in true in speaking and, uh, and writing an author is that you can get so caught up in doing it the way someone else was doing it mm -hmm. that you miss the magic that you can do it only your way. 
And so I think it's great to learn and to pull. In fact, in my book, you know, I have a whole section on plasticity and the importance of keep learning. But I think that you also have to be a filter and let some things go because they're not going to be the right things for you. And think about circumstances and say, this is a cool idea. How could I do it my way? And Mm -hmm. And really open up the opportunity for you to receive inspiration that is right for you and your business and that will help you separate yourself from someone else rather than being a copycat of someone else. Oh, that's so good. I wasn't sure how you were going to answer with just one one nugget because I was just going to say, well, read her book because there's 18 whole tips in there. There's 18 whole chapters. So everybody read Make It Happen because every single chapter is so good. Like I said, I, I'm reading it for the second time through and is constantly making notes. It's one of the most um, tangible, practical personal development books I've ever read. It's not like packed with fluff. And yeah, <laughs> Michelle's clapping. You can't see her. But yeah, it, it really is. I'm not just saying that. So I was so excited to have you on this podcast and to let our audience meet you and, and get some of your advice as well. So thank you again. Um, many entrepreneurs have said that they suffer from imposter syndrome. I'm wondering if you have ever dealt with this and if so, how did you get past that? Well, so to me, there's two sides of the imposter syndrome. There's the imposter syndrome. That's like in any moment, somebody's going to realize that I'm a fraud and that I'm not perfect and they're going to not buy from me or expose me. And that's going to be tragic. And I think the second part of the imposter system syndrome is when you're trying to be someone you're not and you're mm. trying to be somebody else. Yeah. And so when I think of these two pieces about imposter syndrome, um, I they're totally separate issues, yet I think you need to talk about both of them just briefly. The first one is like the what if I fail or what if um, I what if somebody figures out that I'm not perfect? And I think that anything that you can do to show the realness of who you are and that, uh, that there are some wins and there are some fails at the same time, people are okay with that because they want permission to be human. And so it's okay to share about some of those things that are and aren't, aren't working. And then the second half of that imposter syndrome, I think we kind of just talked about of just make sure that you're doing it your way. That if you're trying to copy someone else, you're trying to do it their way, um, you'll feel, you will feel inauthentic, even if you can't identify it as that you will yeah. feel like you're not living your own truth and your own, um, mission. And because I'm such a purpose driven person, um, you can't, you can't ride on the coattails of someone else's purpose and nope. make it work. You have to make sure your purpose is right. And so one of the things that I will say about both of these principles is sometimes you have to be willing to go it alone. And you have to be willing to do something by yourself and you have to be willing to go ahead and move forward. Even if everyone around you is either a doing it differently or B criticizing you for how you're doing it. And sometimes entrepreneurship is really lonely and that's hard. And especially when you have a group of entrepreneur friends that you love and care about, they all have their opinions. And so you have to be able to sift through Um, And just like you would sift through the information that you take in, you have to sift through what other people are saying. Like, is this Mm -hmm. really for me? Not for me. And let go of some of that. Because at the end of the day, the only person you're reporting to is you. And you have to be strong enough in that relationship with yourself to get up out of bed every morning and keep trying. Oh, that's so good. So good. 
Very, very true. And like Brene Brown always says, you know, you can take, you can listen to the criticism. I can listen, but I don't have to take it in. Right. I can. Absolutely. And you just take what serves you and you leave anything that doesn't. I love that. And I love that you are so open about your own imperfections and failures. Um, in the book, there's a whole section about that, um, which I love because it's just, you're so real and it's so helpful and relatable. Um, so you mentioned in the book about having started and grown more than eight businesses over 15 years and having your share of failures. Um, so what is one or, one or two of the biggest lessons that have come out of, of those failures, AKA lessons, <laughs> as we now know? <laughs> right. Um, two things. And number one is I think there's a difference between um, having a moment where you failed and being a failure. Mm-hmm. So the, the latter assumes that because you failed once that you will always fail. And that is not true. Yeah. And so I often talk about people fail faster right? Like you, you stop doing things and you put things in the back burner, you put them on slow because you're so scared that you're going to fail and you want it to be perfect. And so you kind of get caught in perfectionism because you're so scared about failing or letting somebody down or being a disappointment or having it be public that you just don't do things. And so I just tell people all the time, fail faster, fail faster. And that doesn't mean that you don't plan or that you don't try or that you don't strategize, but it means that you just like, you're writing yourself a permission slip, but Hey, this might not work, but I'm going to go all in and I'm going to do it now. And then when that's done, like you said, it becomes a lesson Mm -hmm. and not, um, a reason to stop going. I think that so many people fall into the dip and they don't get themselves out because they're like, Oh, I'm just going to stay here. This is true. I'm a failure. And that's so not true. So don't confuse failing with being a failure. And then the second thing that I would say, um, and I'm going to do more, more work on this because I don't think I include this in the book, but Regret feels worse than failure. Mm, and so good. For me, I can look back at opportunities that I missed because I was too scared of failing. And I don't know that they would have been successful, but the regret stays with me. Like I mm. still remember opportunities that I didn't respond to and proposals I didn't write because I didn't think I would get them. And, and just so many experiences where I just... I, I still remember that more than I remember my failures. Like I can learn from it and move on and I don't let the failure stay with me, but the regret is like, oh, what if? Oh, and so I think if we all took the, took the idea that, Hey, listen, we're going to fail a time or two and that's all part of being a human and that's okay. So do it so that you don't have to live with regret because regret just never goes away. And yeah. so I think between that, if we just give ourselves an opportunity to say, I'm going to try. And even if it doesn't work out, that's okay. I'm going to learn. Mm-hmm. That is so true. Regret is so much worse than failure. But I think for most people, the fear with failure is people seeing them fail. And I love how um, Rachel Hollis talks about this. And she always says, so what? Like, let them watch you fail. And then let them watch you dust yourself off, pick yourself back up and try again and let them see what grit looks like. And that is, and that is what inspires people more than anything. They want to see real humans. They want to see people who are open about this. Like, look, hey, I did this. It didn't work. I tried again. It didn't work. I did this, and then it did work. And now I'm stronger for it too. So, yeah, I love that. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, do you ever get into a funk or have down days? And if so, how do you bounce back? I absolutely do get into a funk and have down days. And um, I used to beat myself up about them because I'm a happiness person and mm-hmm. I'm a success strategist. And so I would start to get into these cycles that were fairly self-sabotaging because I'd be like, Michelle, you know better. Stop being in a funk. Get out of the funk. And then that would just make me feel worse and worse and worse. (laughs) And um, one of the things that I do immediately is I get back to my power up and power down routine. And so I get back. Sometimes I will have something big happen. So like this happened after I launched my book in 2017, I had ran and run run and run and run and the launch was so big and it took like eight weeks. And then there was book signings and tours and all these things that were happening. And I got sick six Mm -hmm. weeks, like really bad sickness. I did not even take my own advice and I totally burnt out and got sick while I'm promoting a book about burnout. Mm. And because I was legitimately sick, um, I stopped doing my power up and power down routine. And then weeks went by and I realized that I was feeling really crappy and it wasn't sick anymore. It was just me going, now what? Yeah. Yeah. And so I had to get back into my power up and power down and beginning and ending my day with me and focusing on um, gratitude. So I think the other thing that happens, the other time I feel a sense of funk is if I have, if I'm recently off a failure and I'm like, now is the hard part. I got to get up and try again. Um, gratitude is one of the biggest funk busters for me. So Mm -hmm. if I can focus on what's going right or the good things that are happening in my life and finding good things in every day, and as simple as that principle sounds, I think sometimes we forget because it's so easy for our brains to automatically go to, well, this is wrong and this isn't working and this is down and I'm a terrible person and I didn't do this and I didn't get out of bed. I didn't, we just keep going that if we can find and like open our eyes to the other parts, we'll realize that not every day is bad. There, there might be some bad parts in every day, but there are some good parts too. And so as hard as it is in the book that I'm writing right this minute is exactly getting out of that. It's called the happiest 30 tips for daily happiness. And so, um, it's just a little book that whenever you feel, um, like you're in a funk, I call it the art of the pause, like giving yourself permission to pause for a minute and say, okay, this circumstance or this, um, conversation or this thing that I'm dealing with is less than desirable. But before I respond or before I crawl into a hole, I'm going to hit pause And then I'm going to find something that can get me out of that funk. And I'm going to use one of these happy tips that will help me infuse some joy into my day and then feel free to unpause and move back on. But sometimes I think that we either push ourselves too far and then we continue to push ourselves where we're unhappy instead of taking a break and deciding what we want to do differently so we can feel differently. Yeah. I love that you said you were teaching and doing this book tour all about you know, building success without burnout and you were having to learn the lesson at the same time. Doesn't that always happen? Yes. (laughs) We call that authenticity training in this business that even though there are times where we have it all figured out, sometimes we forget. 
And that's one of the other great parts about being human and that we fail and that we forget sometimes. And if we can just get back to where we were or remember something or try something new, that we can often get back on track a lot faster than wallowing in it. Yeah, totally. Um, Okay, so I'm going to throw some bonus questions at you from our audience who wanted to know a few things. So Lindsay was asking, what is your, what was your creative process like in writing the book and how did you go about marketing it? Oh gosh. Well, (laughs) um, we could probably talk for another 45 minutes about just that, (laughs) but um, I will tell you two quick things really quickly. Number one, whenever I'm taking on any project, um, I either have to map it out, like what I'm going to do every single day, or I have to like block everything and not do anything else. And when it came to writing to make it happen, um, when I first self-published it, I had a really tight deadline. I had an event coming up in about four weeks and I decided I wanted to launch it at the event. And so while I'd been talking about writing a book for four or five years, I was like, okay, that's happening right now. And sometimes I get into a where everything else goes on hold just for me to do one project. But in this particular case, I wrote about 40,000 words in a matter of 10 days and then got into an editor and editor was like reading a chapter at a time and then sending them back to me for edits. And so in that case, a lot of times I end up just like, I'm a, I try really hard to be organized, but then it comes down to crunch time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the biggest challenges for me in this conversation is that I'm a speaker first and a writer second. Mm-hmm. So it's a lot easier for me to speak something than it is for me to type something. And so I have to go into a totally different process to write than I do for something else. And so part of it is whatever, um, however you like to write. One of the things that I did was I dictated a whole bunch of sections. Oh, so I would cool. record them and get them transcribed and then I could go and edit them. And sometimes that was worse than just trying to write because I <laughs> trying to edit it all. Yeah. But, um, I think that there's lots of different ways to write a book. And so you kind of just have to figure out how to do it your way and whatever you want to do. And then it's ter- in terms of marketing it, um, I did a whole bunch of different things for the marketing process. And the biggest tip that I would give is to balance traditional and emerging strategies. So don't just worry about online and social media, figure out how you can get on, get on TV, um, figure out how you can go old fashioned with some mailings or some physical stuff you can get out there. But really in the, this day and age, I think we sometimes get one sided and only focus on the digital part and we miss mm-hmm. some of the other opportunities from traditional outlets as well. Yeah. Great advice. Thank you. And Brittany was asking, even though you're already what we would consider successful, what are some daily practices or habits that you practice to continue to grow? And what is, what are some of your next goals? Oh, those are good questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mentioned this already, but my number one tip that helps me the most is my power up and power down routine. If I can begin and end my day with me, then I am a lot more productive. I'm a lot more focused and I'm committed to my goals because I'm reviewing them and I'm learning about them and I'm reading them. And so um, power up and power down is my number one. I think the next part is something we also talked about would be just time management, that time management can't be something that you only do sometimes. And so for me, 
Um, I just truly believe that time is either the greatest asset or the greatest liability in your life. And so as I continue to grow and my business grows, time management becomes more important and not less. And so the minutes that I spend planning and preparing are so, so critical. Um, in terms of goals and things that I'm working on right now, I am, as I mentioned, I'm writing another little book. This one's just a tip book, but I have another, um, happiness book that is coming out that I'm excited about. And, um, I'm doing a lot more speaking, which makes me happy, but I'm also working on a TV show. So I don't, that's kind of in the pilot stages and I don't have a home for it yet, but I feel pretty committed to it. So whether or not I find a production company that will take it on, um, I'll probably produce it and put it on YouTube or a Facebook channel or something. Wow. And is this different from your make it happen podcast? Yes. Oh so I'm making a podcast again. I just yes. started and I'm so excited. Um, but I have been feeling like I want a TV show. And so cool. I'm going to do it. So I'm make it happen. <laughs> yeah, something. I don't know if it'll be called make it happen. Um, <laughs> but we're p- kind of playing with a few different titles and trying to decide which one is best that provides a really good umbrella. Yes. I love it. I've been using your mantra, make it happen a lot lately. It's so, it's such a good one. It's just like, you want something, make it happen. So I've been repeating. Yeah. I've been repeating that to myself. Good. Love it. Uh, Another question was who are some of your favorite mentors? Like let's say your top three mentors. Um, let's see. I'm a big Brandon Burchard fan. I followed him for a long time. And so Brandon Burchard is at the top of that list. Yeah. Um, I'm liking Rachel Hollis and do follow Rachel Hollis. Um, but I would say right now, my favorite coach is my personal coach. So even though I do coaching and consulting, I hire a coach on the regular. And so right yeah. now I have a coach and he's fantastic. And awesome. I feel like, um, Everyone should have a personal coach in their life, whether it's as simple as helping them with accountability or a place to have conversations, Um, especially if you're an entrepreneur and you don't have a board of directors, you need somebody to bounce ideas off of, to have conversations with, but more importantly, he truly keeps me accountable on my mission. And so Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I really liked about him, and I wasn't actually thinking he would be my coach, but he was a good friend of mine who I knew did coaching, but he kept asking me, Michelle, what is happening with your mission? What is happening with your mission? And how are you working on this? And so I knew that he was committed to that and I needed that kind of personal connection. So as great as it is to follow really cool people who are doing awesome things, I think you need personal one-on-one coaching as much as possible. Oh, that's great advice. That's so good. It's so true. Um, And then one last kind of fun question. (laughs) Gail says, if you could have coffee with anybody dead or alive, who would it be and why? Oh my gosh, that is such a good question. (laughs) It's a fun one. Oh goodness. Although I started thinking about it and it made me cry because I was thinking, well, I'd want to have it with my grandma who passed away. Then I thought, oh gosh, I hope I don't make Michelle cry with that one, but (laughs) Well, it's so true because honestly, you said that. And the first person I thought of was my grandma who passed away and she passed away about 10 years ago. And I just felt like she was a sage woman Mm. and 
even though she doesn't understand the landscape that we have now, I always think, I wonder what grandma Mary would say. Um, so she would certainly be at the top of my list. Um, I'm actually going to pick my dad who also passed away. Uh, Um, so he passed away in 2003 and, um, he's just one of those people who always encouraged me to be exactly who I was. Mm -hmm. Like challenge me whenever I was trying to be somebody else or do something else. He was the, he was the guy from the time that I was 12. That was like, you're beautiful without makeup. You should never wear makeup. But he was very deep and a philosophical thinker. And so he would just always ask more and more and more questions. And so he could get, he could help me get to my purpose and my mission a lot faster. He always asked the question, what's the meaning of life? Mm-hmm. And and even though um, it's the same question over and over again, it helped me always get introspective about what mattered yeah. and what mattered to me personally without getting caught up in the news and everything else that happens in the world. Oh, that's so awesome. And, um, you know, you can always still go back to that, those questions. And I know he's, he's always with you anyways, no matter what, but that's so nice that you had that. Yeah. Angel team. Yep. Okay. Anything else? Uh, Oh, actually one more, just for fun question. Is there any, um, what are kind of three fun facts about Michelle that we might not know? Just like anything quirky, fun about you. Um, I am an avid Disneyland fan and <laughs> avid Dr. Pepper fan. And while I like to consider myself to be a deep thinker that um, is very wise and sage. I really am super happy watching Hallmark movies. I mean, oh, me too. it doesn't make sense, <laughs> but I just love the simplicity of a nice little getaway and escape. Mm-hmm. They're already starting all the Holiday W Network movies. I love it. <laughs> no, it's so great. So great. I love that. Um, is there anything else before we wrap up that's on your heart that you feel called to share with our audience? Well, I think I would just say, um, I see you. Like, I think wherever, wherever you are in the process, um, I have been in the startup phase. I have been in the development phase. I've been in the growth phase. I've been in the saying goodbye to a business phase. And each one of them has their own ups and downs and their own challenges. And I think that it's really brave to be out in the world building your dream. And I think that you should just know that there are other people on the path. And one of the things that I have been saying to my clients recently is you're not in a race, you're on a mission. And so I think sometimes we get so caught up in, oh, I wish this would have happened faster, or I wish my business had grown farther, faster by now, or I wish I had done more. But the reality is, and sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, she's running faster than me, or she has more success than I do, or they have built a bigger business. What's wrong with me? But the reality is, is that when you're, when you're focused on your mission and not worried about the speed or how fast anyone else is going, that you'll realize you're right on time. And it may not be perfect and it may always, may not always look perfect, but it's perfect for you. Mm. Thank you for that. I love that. 
So where can people go to connect with you or find you online and follow all of your exciting projects? Well, I would love two things. First, to pick for people to pick their favorite social media. So if you love Instagram, I'm at Speak Michelle. On Facebook, I'm at Speak Michelle. On YouTube, I'm at Speak Michelle. On LinkedIn, I'm at Speak Michelle. So you can find me in pretty much wherever people's favorite places are. And then um, if you go to my website at speakmichelle.com, you can sign up for my email list. And those people get to hear about things first. And there's also some fun little goodies on the principles that we talked about today, my favorite planning tips that are there for free. And then we'll keep in touch um, via email. Oh, cool. I will have to get myself signed up for that. I can, (laughs) so I will link that up in the show notes so everybody can connect with you. You're also going to be back in the podcast world and the show is called Make It Happen, right? Correct. Okay. Awesome. Look forward to um, continuing to get great content and advice and wisdom from you via all of your platforms and I wish you all the best and thank you again so much for joining us. This was amazing. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you loved today's episode, please leave me a review on iTunes or screenshot this episode and share it on your social media and tag me at essentially M, essentially E-M-M to let me know your thoughts or send it to a friend who needs to hear this message today and keep the love going. Connect with me on Instagram if we aren't friends on there yet at essentially M. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you on the next episode.